After a six-month nationwide search, the Chicago Reader, the city's premier alt-weekly, has announced its new CEO and publisher. His name is Solomon Lieberman, and he joins us now in the studio to tell us what is in store for the Reader. Hello and congrats. Hello, thank you. Also here is the person who is handing over the reins, the paper's current co-publisher until later this month, Tracy Bame. Welcome back, Tracy. Thanks for having me. Solomon, I definitely have to start with you. Before we actually hear about your story and your credentials, I want to know why you wanted this job running the the Reader Institute for Community Journalism, which is the nonprofit, of course, that publishes the Reader. Yeah, it it connects my entire life uh, at this at this chapter for me. Um, I've been watching the Reader closely for 15 years since grad school, where I studied journalism. And over the last couple years in particular, like a lot of us have who care deeply about it and seeing Tracy and the team save it, build this new nonprofit foundation um, was so impressive from afar. Mm -hmm. And when I saw the opportunity to take lead from her and I'm sitting next to her and I'll say this a lot, she is a force of nature and honor everything she's done, honor that 50 plus year old legacy and serve this wonderful singular publication, the people who make it the people who read it, um, I couldn't say no to that. So super excited. You made a quick mention there of grad school journalism. Give us more of that path, that journey here. Give me the LinkedIn bio. The LinkedIn bio. Um, So I I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison, political science. Then I was in New York. I worked in off-Broadway theater, musical theater, small space, but I did everything and I loved it. And then I worked in spoken word theater and hip-hop theater for kind of audiences that usually don't get it, and then got kind of infatuated with issues behind okay. a lot of that storytelling in New York City. Found my way to Chicago, where I fell in love with journalism and my wife by by chance. Nice. And stayed. Have been lucky over that time, the last 15 years to work almost entirely in nonprofit. So um, in a lot of journalism at the Better Government Association, first as a web editor and then uh, as a vice president working on kind of another turn of the org. And um, I bring that and all that love for arts and journalism and civics and, and, you know, really good pluralistic democracy here. I love that. Why was he the one, Tracy? Well, the board of directors um, made the final decision, but I certainly saw a a tremendous capacity in him. I had heard about Solomon last summer from Andy Shaw from the Better Government Association, and I really encouraged him to apply because I thought many of the qualities he had in nonprofit journalism – understanding culture and his love of Chicago, all things Chicago um, and democracy really was going to be the perfect next step for the reader. Um, I felt like I had done everything I could to a certain point, turning it around into a nonprofit and that he could really take it to the next level. As we've discussed previously here on Reset, Tracy, there was some turmoil at the reader before this transition to a nonprofit last year. Remind us what the paper and its staff have been through in in these recent years leading up to these changes. Yeah, so in 2018, the fall of 2018, Edwin Eisendrath was the publisher of the Sun-Times, which owned and operated the Chicago Reader. It was two days uh, from shutdown, the Chicago Reader, when Elsie Hingabottom and Len Goodman hired me through surrogates to be the publisher. At that point, it was losing a million a year. Right. So uh, within a few months, I realized it needed to turn into a nonprofit that we couldn't keep having a successive series of billionaires and millionaires save this paper. They were going to eventually just shut it down. Um, So it needed new revenue streams. Um, So I started the application for the nonprofit status. I turned it in on February 1st of 2020. One month later, the world shut down. And so we went through another tumult. Um, We got PPP loans. We survived. We didn't lay off anybody. But it did delay the nonprofit conversion. And then one of the owners who had a column in the paper 
Goodman, um, challenged our editorial team about editing one of his columns uh, related to virus, uh, to vaccination. So that caused a six-month delay in the nonprofit. It was pretty much an existential crisis for me and my team. Mm-hmm. Again, I think we were just a couple days from shutdown when it finally came to be in May of last year that we we were able to convince him to go along with LZ uh, to actually sell the paper to the nonprofit. And that those major crises for me, um, and also I turned 60 a few weeks ago. Um, Happy all, belated. <laughs> thank you. All kind of uh, led to me saying, next, you know, what's next for me and what's next for the paper are going to be different. It's a good summary. I can tell you've answered that question a few <laughs> times. Uh, so next question for you both. What role do you think the reader does and can play in the lives of its readers? You first, Solomon. Okay. Um, it's already playing at, at a lot of levels. Uh, it is a touchstone. It is a safe a safe space and safe place for expression and ideas of varying lengths. And I think that really bolsters the, that pluralism I mentioned before. The, the, the culture that makes this city special uh, is based on freedom to be. And that's what that the reader is what makes it so singular. So I think that's the core of it. And then going forward, I mean, you're part of an organization that's, you know, dealing with this trend of Mm -hmm. how do we attach a mission to journalism and then get revenue toward it. So hopefully we we will, I mean, first and foremost, take Tracy's lead and and, and find those dollars and create sustainability for all the people and makers that make the reader so special. And then as this Reader Institute for Community Journalism, which is, you know, I guess this mothership, what else can we do to support our partners uh, locally and beyond so that we can have a vibrant, you know, next couple of decades of journalism to support this country that is sometimes letting us down and sometimes not. But it's a key component to making it succeed. Tracy, what's the what's the role in our lives? Yeah, I mean, the Chicago Reader is a, a journalism organization. Um, you know, I was like eight or nine years old when it was founded. It's been a part of my whole en- entire life as a as a teenager and adult. It really does fill this niche of cultural coverage that really, it covers the heartbeat of our city. Um, it definitely covers the politics. We have a great, you know, guide to the police district elections out now and uh, interview with Lori Lightfoot today. There's lots of great political coverage, but the cultural coverage has been the through line, I think, throughout where n- not as many other media are able to focus on it in the depth that we do. Mm-hmm. And we also created one of my proudest things is the Chicago Independent Media Alliance, which is an alliance of over 60 community media that operates under RICJ. And we've been advocating for more resources to everybody, whether that's advertising or creating a pooled fund for journalism, all sorts of things that I will hope to continue to advocate for through my other paper, Windy City Times. Yeah. Another through line, Solomon, Tracy pushed the reader to hire more diverse talent um, and to cover more parts of the city and, and just better reflect the diversity of Chicago. So my question to you is, how does the reader keep that going? Well, take lead from great leaders. Um, I th- I'm at a point in my life, I have enough gray hair to know what I know and know what I don't know. And I've, I've read all the books and paid attention to it. It's part of my values is, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, and I, I see the work that's been done, and I can't wait to come in and listen and learn first. What's working? What isn't? Where are there gaps? What strategies should we accelerate? Um, that's the place to start, and that's everything. Like, I, this is not me coming in and saying, Here's what's going to happen. It's coming in and saying, let me listen first, and then we can lead together. Why was a diverse staff such a priority to you, Tracy? Well, the stereotype for the reader for the longest time was it was white north side in its, in its coverage, its distribution, and its staff. It did better than many mainstream outlets did, but it was often that stereotype of parachuting into communities to cover them. 
amazing stories that came out of that on police torture and cultural coverage. But we wanted to make sure that the reader, which when I took over had one person of color, ridiculously, and a majority uh, white freelance base, became much more diverse because uh, to me it's more authentic to have voices from communities cover arts criticism, uh, sports, you name it, it's better to have a diverse array of voices covering those communities. Mm. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking with Solomon Lieberman, who is the new publisher and CEO of the nonprofit that puts out the city's alt-weekly, The Chicago Reader. Also here is Tracy Bame, who is the co-publisher of the paper. So The Reader is now 51 years old. Uh, When it celebrated its 50th anniversary back in October 2021, we actually heard from a few listeners about what impact the reader had on their lives. Here's what they had to say. Grabbing a reader, sitting in a bar alone, you didn't have to go with friends, and you could just sit at the bar, and you could start with section one, and you read through the whole thing, and just spend a whole afternoon by yourself, not even having to worry about being alone, because you had the reader there with you. Through a roommate ad, I met my long-term friend and Dad of my children. We were uh, thinking of adopting at that time, and uh, open adoption wasn't that common. And there was one of those long-form stories um, about an agency called the Adoption Connection. You know, we looked them up and uh, used them to help us adopt our our son and daughter. Love that, Solomon. Give me an example uh, of something that the reader has published that recently that you want to see more of. Can I give you an old school one, too, just because that was, and it was inspiring Listen, just to hear those voices. this is your voices. day. Go ahead. <laughs> so, I mean, it, this ties to the comment from those listeners. There was a piece recently, um, a column piece, a beautiful piece of prose about staring out the windows of the red line, but not being able to appreciate everything that's going by because there are these slapped on ads on them. And it was a, it was one of those like microcosms of the Chicago experience that we all know and love about how time stops and you can you're going through the, the city and its great neighborhoods and being part of it and that reading that it was just like the one of the listeners said I felt like I was with a friend and mm. just having a conversation about a place I love long term the the work or sorry looking back even further John Conroy's work on House of Screams and police torture uh, is transformational for the city and this country and how we think about social justice and how police should go about their business. I got the opportunity to work with him for a year at the BGA on a story on the costs of wrongful conviction when I was just a nerdy little web editor building digital packages. And John changed my life. His commitment to being a voice for those that are literally are not allowed one um, yeah. inspires and animates my being daily. So, I mean... <laughs> it's fantastic to yeah. be here talking about I love how it with you, you light up just talking about that. <laughs> you know, Tracy, you've been doing community journalism now for four decades in this city. What does that phrase mean to you, though? Community journalism. Break that down. Well, what's interesting is I think community journalism now is the mainstream. I think local, very local, hyper local from block club to the tribe are part of the ecosystem in a way that wasn't possible in the pre-Internet age. Um, because we all have access to the same tools now to get our word out. So to me, community media is is the heartbeat of what media is. You don't have a story on MSNBC about Flint, Michigan water unless it first percolates up out of local community journalism. And I think that major newspapers like the Tribune and Sun-Times even are becoming more part of their communities, especially I think the Sun-Times, um, because they see um, how replicable that model is, how more successful it is when you're in those areas. Yeah. Solomon, we were cracking up at something on your Twitter. Um, you pinned, <laughs> oh, <no>. you pinned, <laughs> you, it's good. Don't worry. You, you pinned a, a photo 
I'm guessing maybe that's your young daughter, but uh, she's holding up the Chicago Tribune and you've written the caption on top. What is this? A big magazine? <laughs> what was going on there? Yeah, that's my eldest Teddy show, Shteadora, uh, who is that I what, is, adore. Is that what she said? Yeah. Um, we have a big magazine family. My wife and I studied magazine journalism and are still addicted to the print publications. Yeah. And, you know, those moments, whether it's your niece or, or, or younger sister or child, when they say something that just catches your whole life experience in one moment. And then, you know, I try to be careful, but putting her pretty face up makes me <laughs> smile. Well, how do we create Chicago journalism that will resonate with that next generation? Yeah, I think it starts with listening, not only, you know, as I said, family first with our team and knowing who we are and who we are not, who does what, but then going out and talking to these readers and listeners, you know, what are the things that they want to hear more of? Because it it supports their Chicago experience, the things that they need support on. Um, I think that starting from listening, and then I would connect back to what Tracy said about community journalism. If you go to the Jane Adams Hall House, you'll learn about interdependence, right? That is really a, a core tenant of Chicago. And, you know, competition is good in journalism. Collaboration, I think, is even better. But mm -hmm. figuring out a way to rely on each other, we can serve our, our audiences, support our writers and editors and designers and makers but do it in a way that, you know, we can lift each other up. Yeah. I mean, that's the spirit for you, me. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. We are, of course, grappling with the very same questions here at WBEZ. Um, I take it a step further. I think of my kids. They're teenage girls. And, and this world that we're growing in, growing up in right now is, is not, you know, not too easy. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of changes, misinformation, AI, political polarization. I could keep going on. It just seems to me like access to news that you can actually trust is super important right now. Yes, <laughs> we need a whole hour on that. Um, so the one thing that the one one of many things the reader brings is, I think, a nearly unimpeachable brand of truth seekers. So how do we put that to work? And how do we, I mean, there's a great quote, I think this is Catherine Graham at the Washington Post, if you invest in the work, if you invest in the newspaper, the platform, the people, people will invest in you. And that's the mm. place to start. People want true, great, special, freaky journalism, free or otherwise, and we're going to fight passionately for it. And, that, and the, the fact that I get to take, again, Tracy's leave, she is a Hall of Famer, if there is a Hall of Fame that exists for Chicago journalism, I probably should know that. And and serve this mission and serve this community is an honor. Well, final question, and this is a softball. Don't worry. Uh, if I'm a Chicagoan and I'm on the corner, or I'm at a public library, or I'm at a coffee shop, or and a copy of the Chicago Reader is around, why should I pick it up? Why should I give it a try? I think it's knowing that whatever is on the cover or not, that you are going to find that moment in there where you connect time stops and you feel part of the city and all of its diversity at, at, in one moment. And then hopefully also that you know there's something in there that can help you make a decision about how to lead your life. Tracy, what, i got to hear from you on this one. Yeah, it's a curated version of that, the most important cultural and political stories that the reader editors have found those couple weeks. Um, it's a different experience than just scrolling through your phone. So that print product or the PDF download gives you a unique experience in Chicago journalism. We'll leave it there. We've been talking with Solomon Lieberman, who is the new CEO and publisher at the Reader Institute for Community Journalism. That's the nonprofit that publishes the Chicago Reader. And we've also been speaking with Reader co-publisher and Chicago journalism legend, mm -hmm. Tracy Bame. Solomon and Tracy, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.